welcome to Anchored, a podcast brought to you by The Word Unleashed, the preaching and teaching ministry of Tom Pennington. For more of Tom's content or to connect with us, visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org. On this episode of Anchored, Tom explains how the early church immediately accepted certain writings, those writings which would eventually be our New Testament, as having equal authority with the Old Testament canon. Now here's Tom exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Now that brings us to the New Testament. Several factors created a need not to determine the the books that were in the canon, but to confirm the New Testament books that were in the canon, those books that had already been accepted by the churches as canonical and accepted as soon as they were written. Why did this have to happen? Well, there were spurious writings. There were the Gnostic Gospels, which you can always hear about on the Learning Channel around Easter or Christmas. There were attacks on the genuine by heretics like Marcion. There was the need for uniformity in what was read in public worship. And maybe most pressing of all, it was the edict by the emperor Diocletian in 303 AD that all the sacred books be burned. That forced Christians to decide which books had to be defended with their lives at all costs. So, there needed to be some understanding of the canon Just a brief history, when you look at New Testament times, understand this, the New Testament canon was not formed in the second and third centuries, as some argue. There wasn't a vote at the church councils as to, let's decide which books God inspired. No, they were confirming in those councils what the church had already almost universally agreed to. The church, in fact, immediately accepted certain writings as having equal authority with the Old Testament canon. They immediately accepted the books we call the New Testament as the very words of God on par with the Law and the Prophets. For example, 1 Timothy chapter 5, turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18 Paul is talking here about paying some elders. They earn their living from their ministry. And he says in verse 18, here's his scriptural support. For Notice what he says. The scripture. This is his technical term for the inspired canonical scripture. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. And here Paul quotes from Deuteronomy, chapter 25, verse 4, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. This is a quote from Luke chapter 10, verse 7. Notice, Paul quotes the New Testament gospel of Luke, written by his physician, his traveling companion, and he says it is Graphe. It is the same as Deuteronomy. This was immediate. There wasn't a gap. There wasn't a, a vote. It was recognized as Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul there says that even the words in which those 
to whom God revealed His truth, the words in which they wrote were inspired. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 37 and 38, Paul says, in fact, let's turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As Paul finishes up teaching about the abuse of gifts in Corinth, he says this in verse 37, If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. The churches, Paul says, must acknowledge that the apostles are writing the commands of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11.2 and in 2 Thessalonians 2.5, turn to 2 Thessalonians 2.5, let's look at that one. 2 Thessalonians 2.5, Paul says, Do you not remember that while I was with you, I was telling you these things? In 1 Corinthians 11.2, he makes a similar comment and, and says, You are bound by what I taught you. Churches were bound to obey the apostles' commands, including their written words. And in fact, in 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 and 14, Paul says those who refuse to obey the apostles' words are to be put out of the church. But I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. This is a foundational text. 2 Peter 3 and verse 16. Let's go back to verse 15. He refers to our beloved brother Paul, who according to the wisdom given him wrote to you, as also in all his letters, so all of Paul's letters, speaking in them of these things, in which, in, in his letters, there are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and the unstable distort. And notice what Peter says. As they do also the rest of the graphe, the rest of the Scriptures to their own destruction. Do you see what Peter just said? Peter said what Paul writes is Scripture. It's on absolute par with the Old Testament. And... There are those who distort what he writes, even as they distort what the Old Testament records. Benjamin Warfield writes, The canon of the New Testament was completed, listen to this, when the last authoritative book was given to any church by the apostles. And that was when John wrote the Apocalypse around A.D. 98. The canon of the New Testament was closed then. Now, what about in the, the times of the early church fathers in the post-apostolic age? Well, the early church fathers affirmed the New Testament as the Word of God. They called the now-completed Scriptures, you ready for this? This is from Clement of Alexandria and Tertullian. They called the Scriptures that we now have, the Law and the Prophets, there's your Old Testament, designation. We saw that last week. Very common to describe the Old Testament. With the Gospels and the Apostles. Again, this, this phrase is used by Clement of Alexandria and by Tertullian as well. Justin Martyr 
explained that the Gospels, as it's used here in this expression, included the Gospels written, quote, by the apostles and their companions. And the apostles referred to the rest of the New Testament, written under the auspices of an apostle. Irenaeus, the early church father, shortened this expression to just the law and the gospel. The law being the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the gospel being the New Testament. Now, when you look through the writings of the early church fathers, you will find that they document the books that are in our New Testament, that they had been received by the churches. Now, when I give you numbers, like last time, understand that they're not saying only eight books were recognized by the churches. They mention in their writings eight books as being received and accepted by the churches. So they're simply confirming that Clement says there were eight. Ignatius identifies seven books. Again, not saying there aren't more. These are just ones he does identify. Polycarp, the disciple of John, identifies 15 letters. Irenaeus, 21 books. The Muratorian Canon, which was a list of all the books believed to be in the canon, included our entire New Testament except for Hebrews, James, and one epistle of John. We'll talk about that in a minute. Athanasius listed the, the 27 books in, of our New Testament as the only New Testament books from God. That was in 367 A.D. And during the basic time frame of the Council of Laodicea, the Council of Hippo, the Council of Carthage, all in the 300s A.D., they all confirmed the 27 books of our New Testament. Now, if you want to study this issue more from a scholarly standpoint, particularly the modern attacks on the New Testament canon, there's an excellent book I recommend to you. It is written by a man named Michael Kruger. It's called The Question of Canon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anchored Podcast. If you'd like to access additional content from Tom, or if you're interested in partnering with The Word Unleashed, please visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org and be sure to connect with us on social media. We look forward to studying God's Word together with you on the next episode of Anchored.